Hey everyone, welcome into the Edge Podcast. My name is Mike Singer, the editor here at BeaversEdge.com, and I am joined by senior writer Brendan Slaughter. Uh, we are back uh, behind the mic to to talk some Beaver athletics. It's been a while since me and Brendan have uh, have uh, got on here at the Edge Podcast. Brendan, how are you doing, man? Doing good, Mike. Uh, glad to be back. And I think you said it was a couple months since you and I have done our last podcast, so it feels good to be back on back on and talking to the uh, loyal Beaver's Edge subscribers. I missed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, those subscribers you mentioned uh, are uh, members here at beaversedge.com. They're, uh, um, they're feeling some type of way, to, to put it simply. Um, yeah. You know, Oregon State's 1-3 uh, and three right now, and yep. that one win was, uh, was not one to really celebrate, to be honest. So, um, you know, l- l- let's first just talk about, um, you know, that Washington State game. Yep. Um, you know, Brendan, what, what did you see uh, during that game? Well, you know, it was actually great, Mike. As you know, I just got back from uh, Las Vegas for uh, a little vacation. That was it was nice. I was able to catch the game out of, down at one of the sports bars and uh, the sports uh, book section at Caesars Palace, which was a lot of fun. And to be honest, uh, um, though, I, I think I was the only uh, only one that was kind of, I guess, watching that Beaver game. There were quite a few Cougar fans down there that uh, weren't 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 the weren't the nicest fans, which is interesting. So. <laughs> They were uh, they were actually uh, a, a little a little over the top, but um, you know their team played well, and I got to give the credit to Washington State. Uh, Luke Falk has been, you know, uh, Oregon State's kryptonite, if you call it that. I think you know thrown for X number of touchdowns and almost two thousand yards in three games against the Beavers. So I mean he's uh, something else, and uh, I thought they played a great game. However, uh, I thought Oregon State, if you look at it, was completely different this game compared to the Minnesota game. And I think if they had played with that same intensity and same hustle and heart on defense as they did in the or in the Washington State game, if they played that same way in the Minnesota game, I think they would have maybe beat Minnesota. Yeah. I I still think I, I get they lost, but Washington State is at least two or three tiers above Minnesota, in my opinion. They are a good team. Solid playmakers. Oregon State, if they would have played that way against Minnesota, I think they would have walked out of Research Stadium victorious or maybe losing by a score. Yeah, there's definitely signs of progress. Uh, I, my biggest takeaway um, as far as you know what I saw from an optimistic standpoint was Ryan Nall. I mean, yes. I don't think that the offensive line blocked that much better. Um but I just thought Nall was just bouncing off tacklers and just we saw more of a fire um, from Ryan Nall that I'm used that that I'm yes. used to saw last year. You know th- yes. this this early season Ryan Nall, other than that 75 yard touchdown run, I, I'm just like thinking that there's whatever it is Ryan just hasn't been breaking tackles like he was last year and with Oregon State's offensive line struggling so much they really needed Ryan to just break all the tackles um you know to to have success in the run game also think the defense had some good moments you know even though you know they allowed over 50 points and uh Luke Falk absolutely shredded the secondary you know I I still think they had some good moments yeah I mean again uh it the the shocking thing to me Mike was when I was sitting there getting ready for this game and I see Xavier Crawford starting that First of all, I was like, um, excuse me? So Crawford, I think, made a big difference. But, you know, the difference, and the thing I it was interesting, Mike, is um, we have not seen the same level of Xavier Crawford this year that we've seen last year. And that's concerning to me because there were plays where he's, you know, 
holding Xavier Crawford should not be getting beat by Tavares Martin on those. I mean, Xavier Crawford is should be Oregon State's lockdown corner who doesn't get flagged and doesn't make silly mistakes, and he's been making those mistakes all season. So that's frustrating. But from a and same with Jay Irvine, uh, also just inconsistent. I thought you know uh, Sean Wilson played great. Yeah. Um, and I thought um, um, David Morris played well. I'm not sure. I know he got a little uh, nicked up in that game. Not sure his status is. And then Austin Hudson played hard too. But again, I, as soon as I say those things, you know, I I think of the, I think it was third and seventeen. I think the Beavers were down by two scores. And if they get off the field, and Falk throws a pass to Tavares Martin over the middle. I think that was goes, right after a sack as well, that touchdown throw. Back-to-back back, back back sacks. Right. Back-to-back back sacks. And if Oregon State stops Luke Falk there, and they go down and score, they're down by one score, and it's and it's a ball game. Yeah, it's just these little, um, little plays that just throw this team off. I mean, the Nick Perebski dropped yep. punt. I yep. mean, there's Ridiculous. just these head-scratching plays. That Oregon State commits and a, a senior uh, veteran yep. season team like Washington State does not commit. And th- it's these small plays and small differences that make a huge outcome in a game. Yeah, what, what do you make? Uh, I mean, I think that's a great point. The other thing, um, you mentioned it on our uh, message boards over at beaversedge.com. I don't remember seeing Brandon Arnold. Do you? No, I, I don't. Um, there is, I wrote after the game, the a Beaver six-pack, a new thing I just kind of came up with. Um, you know, my six first impressions from the game, and my last one was personnel notes about, uh, we saw um, Andres Hugh Murray block yeah. the field goal, but he didn't really play much. Uh, one of our, our members was saying that he did see him in there, but he didn't record a stat other than that blocked field goal. I don't remember seeing Brandon Arnold in there. Um, I really don't really remember seeing Jalen Moore. I think he did play in that second half, but I don't remember seeing Jalen Moore. I just remember seeing a ton of Austin Austin Hudson, who looked really good, and uh, obviously David Morris. Um, you know, was great last week and was good again this week. Um, right. So um, yeah, a number of guys uh, that really were your starters on defense early in the season right now getting more into the middle of the season there's not really even playing it, and it kind of makes me question a little bit the uh the the, the, the calls made and personnel from the, from the defensive staff you know it's it's really interesting you know mike because uh, again i i thought there were um good moments uh, as we mentioned from this game and there are things to take away and to be honest with you Many Oregon State fans, right, are pressing the panic button, and I get that. They're one in three, right? And you almost got to just assume if you're going to just, you know, knock, right? Let's just for uh, just for the sake of this conversation, go ahead and put Oregon State at one and five because they're not going to beat UW, they're not beat USC, right? So if you sit at one and five, right, and then I believe they come home and I think they have Stanford, right. it's either Stanford or Colorado. It's Stan- one of those two. Um, Stanford. Uh, it's and, Colorado then Stanford. Okay. So they're one and five, right? So if they wanted to get to where they were last year, which was four and eight, which I think four and eight, five and seven, that would be one hell of a that season. That would, yes, yes, so, I agree. But with that being said, I'm I watched the entire game. I'm still not impressed with Cal. I know Cal went on the road and beat and Cal beat two Power Five teams. Cal beat an Ole Miss team that, as you know, Mike, is going through some internal tor- turmoil and has players that are going. It's it's a nightmare down there in Ole Miss, and they beat them. Uh, back at home, so I still think that's a winnable game for Oregon State. 
Um, Arizona State and Arizona, I get Arizona just went to town on um, uh, UTEP and Arizona State lost to Texas Tech. But I see those as winnable games for the Beavers, and that could get them to four wins. And then maybe, you know, you've split one out of the three between Oregon, Colorado, and Stanford. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Oregon State can continue to develop like they did last year, last year they came on strong as the year ended. I don't see reasons to why that couldn't happen again. And to be honest, as we kind of get into it, I'm I'm really not that uh, I'm not worried if Daryl has to run the show because I have all the confidence in the world in this this year and this uh, health of Daryl Garrettson. Yeah, I actually wrote a lot of those points in my three two one story yesterday, saying that a bold prediction would be that Oregon State wins three uh, three more games uh, to finish out the season. And, um, you know, I, I even think Stanford, you know, could be a winnable game. You know, they well, look uh, awful. That would I, I wouldn't say they look awful, but, you know, they did lose to San Diego State. They're, San Diego State's a pretty good team, but, you know, they did lose. That's going to be a Thursday night game. It's going to be a different environment. And yes. I think that Oregon State could win that game. But well, so the, question I, the question I have for you, Mike, is, you know, you look at those Minnesota, like Minnesota and Stanford's the same kind of team. Do you think it's possible, and this is just my question for you, is it possible that the Beavers could see Craig Evans this year? Because that could completely change the dynamic of that defensive line if they could get a little bit more beef up front. Do you think that's possible? Or if you're an Oregon State fan, you just got to count him out for the year at this point. You're going a little off script, but I like it, Brendan. Um, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm saying it right now. I would be surprised to see Craig Evans um, – played a game this year um okay gary anderson's been pretty uh, coy about it when whenever uh you know i bark at you to ask him or someone else asks him right right um but uh as things sit right now in this situation in this scenario in this setting that's my gary anderson talk um i i don't expect uh craig evans to to play that that's my two cents um uh, and I like to think that it's my informed two cents, but uh, nonetheless, uh, move, moving on though, one right. name we have not mentioned yet, and I can't believe we haven't, and we're about 11 minutes into the podcast, is uh, Jake Luton going down. Yep. Really scary hit. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to read what I texted you, Brendan, to, to our audience, because I was freaking out a little bit for Jake, and yep. even probably the, our members at beaversedge.com were thinking, Mike, like, calm down, man, like... I was really worried it looked serious right away when you yep. see Jake. He wasn't moving for three, four seconds. He's no. just on the ground. Looked yep. real serious. And, um, man, it's a real tough break for Oregon State. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I, Jake is, you know, uh, I've got a chance to get to know him, you know, very well, you know, on, on the field. And then, you know, sometimes off the field is where, you know, kind of walk back into the Valley Football Center, had a couple conversations with him. He's, you know, a tremendous individual. Absolutely. And well-spoken young man, Mike. You've talked to him before. Mm-hmm. Um, great leader. You know, very humble, right? He's, he's what you want in a quarterback. And, you know, he showed me against Washington State. Washington State, you got to agree with me here, Mike. They have some dudes. Like, Hercules Mata'afa is a dude. They have um, um, Peyton Paluer. Um, I mean, there's some dudes on that defense, Frankie Luvu, um, that – we're able to get some big – and Luton stood in that pocket and took some big hits and completed some passes. So, again, Washington State's defense is like Clune said – or I believe it was McGiven or Clune said earlier in the week, or maybe it was Anderson. Um, they don't get enough credit for what they do, right? And, um, you know, I think Oregon State played well. That play 
Um, you know, Beaver fans might not, you know, necessarily like me for saying this. I don't think it was an, a huge inadvertent dirty hit. I think it just was a, a combination of just bad timing. Him going, he, I mean, if you go back and look at it, he wasn't going helmet to helmet. I mean, it was just one of those awful plays that just you hope never happen in football. And it wasn't, I, I, I mean, this is my opinion. I don't think it was an, a malicious, intentional dirty hit. Yeah, it was definitely a. Is this that it was just a football play? I do think yep. at the end of the day, I, I think it should have remained targeting, but that's just yeah, me. I agree. Um, our former writer, whose name will not be mentioned, said last week uh, at practice that Jake's really been taking control of the team. Yes. He's really stepping up as a leader, so this does hurt in that sense. And I really liked Jake Luton's play on our our message board. Jake Luton's. Before the injury, now everyone's together and we're rallying yep. around Jake. But before, he was a pretty polarizing topic. And is Jake the answer? Is Daryl the answer? Should we have kept Marcus? You know, that whole yep. kind of thing. Um, but moving forward now, Daryl's the guy. Yep. He's also a leader. He was the guy last year. And, and even in Gary's first year, you know, Garrettson looked great during practices. So... Yep. Um, he knows this team. This is year three for him, even though it's only his second year of playing. It's his third year in the system. Right. What do you expect moving forward with Daryl Garrettson? Well, before I get into that, I think we should probably just clear the record for the fans so everyone knows. Um, we have heard now from multiple outlets, Jake's injury, just so we clear it up, is a thoracic spine fracture. He's being taken on a week-to-week basis. But, like anyone else in this 21st century, Mike, when you Google thoracic spine fracture... Right. A few months, cut- at least. Yeah, so maybe it's not as bad. I don't know. I'm surprised because Gary Anderson has a policy if a player's out for the year to say he's out for the year. And if he's not, then Gary doesn't talk about it. But I think that Jake's just such a big name, and they just wanted to release something. And I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be more than a week-to-week thing. But with the information Oregon State has right now... It's just a week to week thing. Yeah, I think that's. I think. I think you're right. I think it is week to week, and we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be not as bad as you know. I think you said, like you said earlier, Mike, they're waiting on results. It could maybe not be as bad as they thought. Maybe it's not. You know, obviously everything in medical terminology is a little bit different. You know, everyone's. He, we'll see what happens. Right now, but, he's week to week. I think yeah. he's going to be out for the season. I agree. Uh, but 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 moving forward, what what do you think? Uh, you know, Daryl. Daryl bring to the offense. I mean, obviously we're familiar with them, yep. but um, you know, do you expect it to, the offense to change a lot? Do you think they're going to go to a lot of read option, or you know, pretty you know, much keep the same kind of offense? It's hard to say. You know, um, Daryl. Like I said, I've always been very high on Daryl Garrett. So I know, I know the um, uh, he's been up and down. Kind of was a polarizing figure last year. Um, Daryl's healthy. Daryl, like Marcus McMarion, Mike is loved, I'm not saying Jake isn't, but Daryl is loved by every one of his teammates. Daryl is a, you know, it's not like he's kind of a nobody. You know, Daryl is, you know, he's a leader. He leads with a confidence. His swagger on the football field, I'm not a huge fan of that word, but I think it applies here. Um, He's just, he's a gamer, and that's what I like about him, is he goes out there and he just balls. And, you know, I think the offense will change slightly. Daryl does not have the arm that Jake does. And I don't think he can throw the ball quite as accurately downfield. But I, but I don't I, even feel like Oregon State used the downfield passing no, that I, much. I, so and, and against Washington State a couple times, and Jake hasn't looked particularly. Has has Jake really landed a home run ball on a long deep pass yet, Mike? I don't think so. No. So I mean, maybe a few long passes here, but 
Um, I think Oregon State's strength could be with Seth Collins in the slot, Villeman on some fades, and Noah Togiai. And I think that can all be accomplished with Daryl at quarterback. Daryl's not a slouch. I think he can do what they need to do on offense. And Daryl probably has the best um, aspect of Daryl is he can move, and he can move quick. And I think you bring up, bring back that read option game a little bit with uh, Artavis Pierce, Thomas Tyner when he comes back. I would expect Tyner to be back this week. He missed the last two games. Um, I expect him to probably be on the probable side of the injury report, depending. And the Beavers should be in good shape. Offensively, I'm not worried about this offense. I don't think they'll miss a beat. They may have to tweak some things schematically, but they'll be fine. The thing that worries me the most is now, Mike, if you have a quarterback, Daryl, your backup, if you have to put him in, that red shirt's being burned. And that's that's where I'm a little concerned now. Yeah, Connor, yeah, Connor Blount, um, you know, he, he got his red shirt, you know, taken off last year. You know, I, I don't think it would be a huge deal if it happens again this season. I would be more concerned about it happening um, with Aiden Willard. Because with Connor, um, you know, if his red shirt gets taken off, he is going to get a lot more game experience. Yes. And he's going to be in there fighting for the job next year. Obviously, yep. it's going to depend on, you know, how Jake Luton recovers. But I, yep. I, I, I'd be more worried about Aiden Willard. But, you know, you're talking about that offense. with Jordan Villeman on one side, Hodgins on the other. Um, Togi in the H-back or in the slot. And you have Seth Collins in the other slot with Ryan Nall or Artavis yep. Pierce. That is a that is a quality Pac-12 skill position well, players. It's just well, that yeah. offensive line that I'm more worried about. Well, Mike, you mentioned it, Connor Blount. I am actually going to ask this with McGibbon on Tuesday when I get a chance to talk to him. And you, Mike, you remember the story I wrote about Daryl Garrett and Connor Blount. You know, big story I wrote back in the end of fall camp where I was talking about these guys practicing patience and waiting for their time. Uh, I still believe Connor Blount has the best deep ball on the team, and I think he has great um, a great knack as well. A lot of players like him. But the question I have is if Daryl gets a little gimpy or anything else, would you rule out the possibility that before they burn the red shirt, maybe put Seth Collins back there at a quarterback? That's what I want to ask McGiven because at this point, this season, I won't want to say it's lost, but it's looking like it's going that way. Maybe you put Seth Collins in a quarterback if something goes down and preserve that red shirt because red shirts are valuable. I feel like at this point, the coaches, they're more fighting. <laughs> they're starting to fight for their jobs. I don't I know if, if – uh you know, burning the red shirt is or, or keeping it on is that right. important? That that's just my two cents, and you know I'm speculating on if they're actually fighting for their jobs or not. But um, you know, people have on our board have talked about bringing Mason Moran back at quarterback. Um, and and now Mason, you're talking about Seth Collins. I'm like, let, let's well, let's pump the brakes well, a little well, bit. I get that, and I get that, but the difference between Mason Moran and Seth Collins, Mike, is I have no disrespect to Mason Moran. Seth Collins can throw an accurate spiral, and that's part of the reason that Mason Moran was moved to safety, in my opinion. And again, I think Seth Collins has still got potential there, and we saw it a little bit last year when, um, I believe it was when Daryl went down and Seth got some reps at Q, and you know he never made it on the field as a starting quarterback. But again, if you get injury that could happen so we'll see what happens but yeah. right now all all the eggs are going daryl's basket and i think he'll be just fine i'm not worried about it what i am worried about is where oregon state's defense goes from here and and again oregon state they'll they have the potential mike to be great on offense but i'm gonna kind of hold my tongue here but i i think there have been some major mistakes in terms of 
rep distribution at running back and potential play calling that has really set Oregon State back offensively in their last couple games. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just problems all across the field, and yep. it, it, it's it's personnel, it's execution, it's coaching. I mean, it, it's across the board. There's just a, a lot to be fixed. Well, yep. Let's move into our final topic of our podcast, and it is uh, does Oregon State need to consider coaching changes? I think that we would agree that um, if, if Gary Anderson's team this year goes 1-11, which is honestly possible, it is possible, my my opinion, and I think you'll agree with me, is that not if I think this would happen. I'm I'm sorry, not that I think it should happen, but this is what I think is going to happen. If they go one and eleven, Gary is not on the hot seat. No. My personal opinion is he should be if he's on the hot. If they go one and eleven, I think personally he should be on the hot seat. Do you think Absolutely. that if they go one and eleven, that Gary's Gary's on the hot seat? Like legitimately, well, Oregon State will be seeing him as on the hot seat. Um, I think his name will pop up, but based on what I've seen, I don't think so. Um, I would personally like to, and this is one thing I might uh, post on the Beaver's Edge board uh, as a question. You know, check out our premium message boards at beaversedge.com. Um, from my experience, Mike, from what I can tell, I think Oregon State fans would be, and I think I mentioned this to you when you came out here, would be satisfied with the Beaver program. Not Maybe not satisfied, but they'd be like, all right, we're all right. If they went 1-11 every year and that one win was against the Ducks, I'm not saying that they're going to do it this year, but by beating the Ducks, Gary probably added at least two, three years of security because Oregon State broke that streak, and Ed Ray loves him. Ed Ray, the president, loves Gary Anderson, and Gary Anderson has one of his good friends in his back pocket, and that good friend in his back pocket happens to be Scott Barnes, who's the athletic director. Scott Barnes is brought in to keep Gary Anderson happy, in my opinion. So, of course Gary's on the hot seat, because he's got the president who loves him, and the athletic director that loves him. Gary could probably go 1-11 this year and 1-11 next year, and probably still not be fired, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But... I agree with you there, absolutely. But what about the coordinators? Uh, Kevin McGivin, well, you know, yep. Kevin Clune. Well, yep. Well, here's the thing. Um, Kevin Clune, uh, I think it's still too early to get rid of Clune. I want to see what the defense does for the rest of the year. Um, before I say this, in my opinion, I think a change will need to be made on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I think Clune's a better recruiter than he's given credit for. Sure. Um, I don't think necessarily that recruiting is McGiven's strength. Uh, I haven't been particularly impressed with um, the quality of quarterbacks, because McGiven's also the quarterback coach. Right. So, you know, with the quality of quarterbacks he's brought in, and I think McGiven is more suited to be a quarterback's coach than offensive coordinator. In my opinion, that's what he was his first year. And I mentioned it to you as well. Um, I'm still a big fan of Dave Baldwin. And I think Oregon State kind of jumped the gun a little bit by not leaving Dave Baldwin as OC. I know it was early and the kids were young, but Dave Baldwin, everywhere he's been, Mike, has had very efficient offenses. Um, but I think that a change will be made at the offensive coordinator position if Oregon State continues to not be able to show the potential. Because you know, you said yourself, Mike, they have Thomas Tyner, they have Artavis Pierce, they have Ryan Null, they have Villeman, they have Hodgins, they have Collins. They should not be putting up twenty points a game or whatever it is right now. That's that's ludicrous. Yeah, I agree. I think that Clune's job will be safe this season. And part of it is if, if you fire him, 
who who replaces him as DC? Does Anderson take that over? You know, who do you give that to? I don't think that there's a really a guy that you would you would plug in there. With with McGiven though, and uh, again we're we're speculating here. We're not saying that this is happening. This is you know just totally just for the sake of discussion. If you, if you let if you let McGiven go, you have Baldwin who has called a season for you yep. as an OC, or you can bring in you know this uh, you know this hotshot uh, Phillips, uh, Jason Phillips, uh, and, and let yep. him do it. You know he's the, the the receivers coach, you know the pass game coordinator. So you got a yep. couple of options there. Um, but, uh, I also think that if it's going to happen, it would be during a bye week Cause that just makes the most sense, um, yeah. to, you know, for, for the transition there. So could happen yeah. this week, but I, I don't think it will, yeah. no, but, but there I. is the, the bye week in between the Colorado and Stanford game. Um, yep. that Stanford games on a Thursday. So it's, you know, yep. you don't have the longest bye week period there, yep. but, um, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah, again, and for me, I think, uh, I think you know, Anderson can kind of it, 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 again. We're talking purely speculatory here. Nothing is concrete. I don't have a whole lot of evidence to back this up. I think Anderson could reach out of his out of his uh, kind of coaching tree and find some pl- find some guys that were with um, him during his time at Utah as well. Because Anderson's got a lot of Utah connections, right? And there's a couple guys I think that could be potential offensive coordinator replacements uh one of them is uh, former utah quarterback brian johnson he was an offensive coordinator uh under kyle whittingham a few years ago before he was let go he had a pretty solid offense um i like him a lot and then a home run kind of a guy that i think is a little bit out of left field but i could see it happening to kind of inspire oregon state's fan base a little bit would be if anderson brought in um Dennis Erickson to run the show offensive coordinator for maybe a year or two. Sure. Obviously, obviously Anderson or excuse me, Erickson retired from coaching at Utah. Here's the thing with me, Mike. And I went back and looked at some of the old archives because he retired after this last year. Whittingham cleaned house again because Ander, with his whole passing and running game coordinator, which is what uh, Erickson was in addition to the running backs coach, and he was associate head coach. He fired his OC and wanted to completely revamp his offense with someone else. Erickson said he retired. I don't think it was quite that cut and dry. I think Whittingham kind of was like, hey, man, can you do this kind of a thing? Um, and with that being said, I don't think and I don't think Erickson's going to miss the game that long. You know, you see a lot of times there are coaches, Mike, that say they're going to retire and miss the game too much and want to come back. And the Anderson to Erickson connection exists because Gary Anderson talked in length with Erickson um, about Jake Luton when he was getting recruited out of Idaho, which is where Erickson's son Bryce um, had seen Luton a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I could see that being potential there because Erickson was Whittingham's OC at one point uh, for a whole year solo and did pretty solid with Travis Wilson at the helm. And back when they had Devontae Booker, solid squads. And, you know, know, without speaking, I think if, if Anderson did this, Mike, You'd inspire a lot of the fan base, bringing back the coach that took you to your best season ever at eleven and one. And I think he could recruit some solid players too, because all he has all he has to do, Mike, is go in that living room and plop down two rings from the U. Yeah, I was just about to ask. You know, you are, I believe, it's a fourth generation uh, Oregon State student uh, in yep. your family. You know, you're probably, yep. um, you know, had a diaper on when Dennis Erickson was uh, at Oregon State. So, hey, I mean. I, I went to that Fiesta Bowl at age four, Mike. So there you go. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, what what 
I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but what would, again, speculation here, but if if Erickson did return to Oregon State in some capacity, what would the reaction be from Beaver Nation? Well, I mean, I think it's the same reaction, Mike, you'd get another name that's bounced around our boards a little bit here. Maybe, you know, just as a guy, it's like, man, down the road, maybe you'd like to see this guy in some capacity at Oregon State is Jonathan Smith, who's the offensive coordinator up at Washington right now. If you bring back a coach or a player from that 2000-2001 team, which went 11-1, and and if it hadn't been for a wide right field goal, would have been 12-0 and and perhaps been a, had a chance to play for the national championship. Um, I think it would inspire a fan base. I think you'd bring back fans. I think even just hiring Erickson as an associate head coach, kind of a offensive coordinator role, something like that. And again, this is just my opinion. I think it would rally a lot of fans when you could get a guy like that back in the fold. Uh, I think he's still a very smart coach. I think he runs a very good program. And again, recruiting aspect, if you have him as your OC, again, you go in there and you say, I got two rings from the U. I mean, two rings from the U. He's won everywhere he's been. You know, I mean, he's won as at Utah. Utah's been uber successful when he was a part of that program. He won two national championships at Miami. He was successful at Washington State, successful at Oregon State. Uh, for a brief time, he was very successful at Arizona State before they kind of gave up on him a little too early, in my opinion. And I think a guy like that would absolutely revitalize the fan base, revitalize uh, donations. And, and or the thing about Erickson is he's a great fundraiser. Erickson is largely credited with building the east side of race of Research Stadium, thanks to in large part the donations from Fiesta Bowl. But Erickson got that done. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. It probably won't. But it's a cool idea to entertain because I think that would really bring back a lot of Oregon State fans that have been largely frustrated for the last what five or six years, at the very least. Yeah, it, it, this season's turning out obviously to be a a season where the Beavers finish below 500. Yes. Uh, yes. And. Um, this would be the Beavers' fourth straight season uh, finishing below 500. And the last time Oregon State did that uh, was in the late 90s. So um, I believe that was under Jerry Pettibone back in yeah, those days. So, so, yeah, yeah it was Pettibone's final two years and Mike Riley's first two years, uh, the 95 to 98. Um, so a lot of questions surrounding this Oregon State football program. Not many answers right now, but as the season progresses, we will – you know, get answers to some of these questions that we're talking about and make sure you stick to beaversedge.com for all of your team content, uh, recruiting content, uh, basketball season. Many Beaver fans are excited about looking forward to it at this point, right? Yeah. And the Beavers just had their, uh, their photo day for, for the men's basketball team. So we'll have all of your coverage, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, obviously football recruiting coverage. We have absolutely locked down. Make sure you check out, the mock class article I posted on Monday uh, in tonight, uh, Tuesday at 7, uh, 7 or 7.30. can't remember off the top of my head. should probably know that. We have our live recruiting chat uh, with go. some team nuggets as well, so make sure you check that out. Get subscribed to viewersedge.com. We have a 30-day free uh, promo, um, so all you got to do is uh, put, in some, put in your credit card information. You get 30 days free, uh, basically just like you would with any Amazon uh, free trial or anything like that. Um, So make sure you keep it uh, locked into beaversedge.com. Thanks for listening.